Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, inspiring health stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TV Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do if you haven't already hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today you are going to meet Allison Seligman. She is a mom. She is a PR agency owner. She is an all-around awesome person to talk to. So I'm excited to share this conversation. But she is reminding us in this chat today that there is so much more than meets the eye. She has an invisible illness and was paralyzed on her 30th birthday just suddenly, and she didn't know what was happening. She's going to share that story, how things have evolved since, and why she's advocating for compassion in the workplace and compassion all around. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I am so excited. I get to meet Allison Seligman. Hopefully I said that right. You did. <laughs> and just around the corner, not far in Palm Beach Gardens from where I am in Miami with, I think, a lot of alignment on our story. So I'm excited to welcome you and get to know more about you and your story. Same. Well, so I'm going to start with the question then. Um, who is Allison Seligman, if you have to answer that? Oh, okay. Somehow that seems like an easy question, but a big one, right? I'm a mom of two of an eight and 12 year old, and I am really passionate in general um, about both empowering women to see who they are and to overcome obstacles and kind of define what success means for them. I'm also equally passionate about helping and supporting nonprofits in the area. So I have a PR consulting company. So we have a lot of like overlap in our lives. I have a PR consulting company um, called the SBS agency where I primarily work with nonprofits and help them elevate their brand, do a lot of content development, things like that. And then I also, have had a blog called The Modern Savvy back in the day for people who have followed me a while. It was called The Average Girl's Guide. But I have The Modern Savvy where I talk about everything from lifestyle, target finds to really raw and honest conversations. Um, sometimes I dub them like vent sesh where I have an invisible illness. Um, and I think we, again, can relate on these things, but I have a really rare neurological condition and 12 years ago now i was suddenly paralyzed and i if you look at me now you would never know that i have chronic pain that i have like a bladder that doesn't work that i deal with a lot of these things that a lot of other people they can't relate to uh, or see so it's really challenging and so i am passionate about giving a face to invisible illness and my condition which is called transverse myelitis it's one in a million and i've gotten into a little bit of public speaking and i'm trying to do more of that on the topic and in particular to companies i think that there's a real opportunity to educate in the workplace about invisible illness so 
I actually hadn't heard of that term until I read about it on your website and learned a little bit more about you. Um, prior to this happening to you, um, I believe, like you said, 12 years ago, did you know the term invisible illness? No, I mean, not at all. I don't think I was really, it's interesting. I think as I've been sick and have tried to work and navigate and prioritize myself and my, my health, I know so much more, not only about my body, but being mindful about other illnesses and conditions and what people like I was born in New York. And I think I'm a generally like, I could be like a very fast moving, slightly impatient human. And I feel like the, one of the gifts that this has given me is a new level of compassion, but I really never heard of invisible illness. I think if you saw when you see a handicap sign and you see like the wheelchair, like it would only occur to me that an illness is visible, that if someone's hurting, you would see it. And there are so many people walking around every single day um, with things that we just can't even see relate and they are just showing up every day and myself included. But yeah, I mean, people don't realize that I'm constantly, that I have chronic pain all the time. Take me back to the moment when I, and what happened, when it happened, and really what your experience was like, what was going through your mind? I was 29, 30 years old. We had a four-month-old little girl at home. I was back to work full-time, like trying to pump and take care of a child, exhausted, you know, trying to have some semblance of a life beyond being a mom. And I was wiped. And I remember my birthday was on a Thursday and I went to the, I was feeling horrible all week. And I even went to the doctor. I had burning like down there and the doctor kind of brushed me off. I mean, I was saying I was exhausted and all these things, but you know, there's symptoms that are, it's hard to know. And was like, oh, this is probably a UTI. We'll send it out and kind of disregarded me, which is what it is. The next day was my 30th birthday. And, um, my husband at the time, I've been divorced about two years, two and a half years, but my husband at the time, we went to see a show at the Kravis Center. I remember sitting down in the chair and my skin started burning, like on fire, like the velvety chairs, because my skin was touching it. And I was like, this is so, it was crazy. I'd never had a feeling like a sensation like that. And then um, I went to use the restroom and I used to drink a, like a ton of water. We used to joke I was an aquaholic um, <laughs> and I had a couple like glasses of wine, I'm sure. And I went to the bathroom and my stomach was bloated looking, but nothing would come out. I couldn't void or empty. Went home that night, same thing. Um, again, feeling completely run down, exhausted, all of these things. The next morning I wake up at six in the morning. My stomach looked like I was five months pregnant. I could like barely function. My skin was burning. I still couldn't, still couldn't pee. It was crazy. So I'm calling that other doctor starting at six in the morning, telling them I haven't used, like I haven't been able to empty in set like 12 hours. No one's calling me back. I go to a client meeting because I'm a lunatic. <laughs> they said, you need to, get out of here immediately and go to the doctor. So I actually went to my OBGYN who, cause I had, I didn't know who else to go to and drained a liter of um, urine from my bladder, a liter. Like it just kept coming out. And that was a Friday. And from there I went to the hospital that night. They put a, like a catheter where the, it's like a Foley catheter attaches to your thigh. They put that in, they said on Monday, go see a urologist. They sent me home. Over the course of the weekend, I was supposed to have a 30th birthday party and at our house and I could barely walk. I remember like grabbing the walls, feeling weaker and weaker each day. My ex was like basically helping carry me up the stairs, but we said like, oh, well, 
the doctor said the hospital said like just go to the doctor on monday canceled my 30th birthday party and just kind of made it till monday by then he was practically carrying me into the urologist who said i think that you need to see a neurologist like something's going on here so she sent me to a neurologist by the way i had none of these doctors you know i don't who has it like what 30 year old most of them have urologists or neurologists or all of these things i know i know that you had a you went on a hunt as well so i know that you get this and i went to the neurologist who looked at me examined me and i remember Adam was basically carrying me into the office. Like I couldn't even, my legs were barely working. And she said, I need you to get to the hospital right now. I think I might know what this is. We get to the hospital and they give me a pen to sign my name in and the pen just falls out of my hand. I didn't have the strength to hold it or like, let alone write my name. And that was the moment that we knew something. I mean, we knew it, but like really knew it. Over the next two days, I proceeded to have like countless hours and hours of MRIs where they discovered that along my spinal cord, there was lesions everywhere. And the lesions basically connect to your body function. And apparently I had longitudinally extensive lesions, which I've later learned I shouldn't be walking. Like if that neurologist didn't figure out probably that week what was wrong, I would not have the life that I have. And a lot of people who have what I have have not had the recovery that I have. I was in the hospital for a month. And over that time, they had to, as soon as I got in, it was crazy. I remember like they'd wake me up at five in the morning or three in the morning. And someone would be taking 10 to 12 vials of blood. And I had a thousand milligram doses of steroids that they were pumping into me every day. Mind you, I have a four month old at home. My husband right. is working. You know, I, I saw my daughter once that entire month that I was in the oh hospital. Couldn't even hold her, like didn't have the strength. My husband was coming and helping me pump because I'd been pumping, but I couldn't even hold my hands up to hold the pump. My, my legs, my body didn't move. Like eventually two weeks in, like some nurses who were so sweet, like in my bed came and like helped wash my hair for me because I hadn't been able to like move to take a, like an actual real shower. I'm hearing this and I get goosebumps because I mean yes in some ways I can relate to going on the hunt but I mean I didn't have an experience like this where I mean and I was very scared in my situation but I mean you must have been terrified I just kind of was going through it and we were figuring out what was wrong and how we can find the doctors and the solution and I think that's just always been my mentality when I look back I feel like I'm talking about a third person And I can't believe I wasn't maybe more scared. Mm -hmm. Like they were talking that I could be blind in five years. Like if lesions wound up forming on my brain. um, And so like I would do like weekly MRIs for like a decent amount of time that that could have indicated a different diagnosis. It was a victory. Like I would work with a physical therapist and they'd have you sit up in bed and just standing was a victory. And then being able to walk with a walker to like the door of my room was a major victory. I couldn't carry my daughter for months. Oh my goodness. Even hold her, you know, like someone had to yeah. help. And it was, it's just insane. Like what, what can happen to your body? And that's why, like, yes. I think the conversations that you're having are so important because yeah. things can happen in a second. Right. Right. I think about that all of the time. Like, and, and I feel like number one, it's already scary enough just losing some functionality, whether like I fell off my roof and broke my wrist and I was like so weird to after that surgery to like not be able to hold a glass of water, not be able to tie my shoe. And I'm like, it actually caused me to step back and gave me a new perspective. Like, 
wow, anything like you could get in a car accident. There's so like a whole long list of so many things that could happen and just totally change your life in an instant. And that was a very small example, but it did actually make me appreciate like, hey, how much I enjoy going to the gym, how much I enjoy being able to move my body and like how much I appreciate having the full use of both of my hands and wrists that not everybody has. But that's number one, like losing functionality of something that you're just so used to every day. But then layering on top of that, not knowing why at first, right? And I feel like that's where it it makes it a lot more challenging. Totally. Yeah, no, I was listening to your first podcast and, you know, like how you were had to go to so many doctors and like there just wasn't answers. I was so lucky and I know people who have what I have and it took them months. Like my diet, right. what happened to me happened quicker. Some people, this goes on for months and months and it's very extended. And so it's not so obvious to doctors. They're not doing MRIs right away. They're thinking that, oh, it's actually very often misdiagnosed as MS, but they're like, oh, like I definitely have chronic exhaustion. The heat impacts my body in like a freaking insane way. Like it took me years to realize that. And like, it's things that like, if I said that to a doctor, they're like, oh, she's tired. She's a mom. She works like very dismissive. You're really your own health advocate, which I love about this story too, because you have to be. You were in the hospital for one month. Um, what happened after that? And then it sounds like within that month, you got the answers, right? You had all the MRIs and different tests. And then what happened after that? Because I, I guess at that time when you were in the hospital, you weren't able to walk. You didn't have, you were very weak. Um, and then yes. you mentioned your so, recovery, so. Absolutely, so after about two and a half weeks uh, being at Jupiter Medical Center, they transferred me to another hospital that has an inpatient rehab, physical, physical um, therapy rehab. And I wound up there for two and a half weeks or so, really working on mobility and functionality. And they deemed me able to be just, um, let go when I was be able to walk up the stairs at least once a day, whether that was assisted or not. So when I eventually got home, um, that was the benchmark. And we wound up hiring a, um, a nurse for me every day because I couldn't drive. Uh, and all of that happened for a few months. And I eventually over time got a little bit stronger. Uh, my bladder function. So one of the, the first thing that went was my bladder function and my bladder uh, basically function never came back. So I wound up actually back in the hospital for a night um, from dehydration. I had 103 fever. My pulse was out of control. It was because I wouldn't drink liquid because every time I did, my bladder would empty. My bladder basically, um, it spasms, opens, and then closes quickly. So it doesn't fully empty. So 10 minutes later, it gets empty. I actually wound up doing Botox injections on my bladder for years, um, but which was crazy. I eventually over time tried to go back to work because I was working at another public relations firm for five or six years at that point. She had me back part-time. It was not a great working environment. Couldn't really do anything right. And I eventually was fired um, with the like focus on your health kind of thing. And at the time I was like slightly, you know, it was devastating. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like this is, I'm just, I was really weak everything. I mean, I was, I wear heels now. I was definitely not wearing heels. I was wearing sneakers everywhere. I was barely like, you know, you're like mopey, like it was like that mopey look. 
what I realized later, and I can look back and say that was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. I think sometimes you get the opportunity to make decisions for yourself. Sometimes you don't make them. And sometimes you need that push. And this was what gave me that push. And sometimes when decisions are made for you, it's the best thing. Um, If you're willing to embrace the suck yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, move forward from it. And that's when I started back in 2010, both my PR company at the time, I was like, maybe I'll consult with people. When I started my consulting, I had a law firm reach out to me. They were like, we need someone. The former mayor, Mayor Lois Frankel of, of West Palm Beach needed someone to help manage all of their events. Mm-hmm. I was hired as their consultant. Then another opportunity came along And it was just unbelievable. And at the same time, I felt like I really want to connect to other women. I don't know how to do that, but I want to have like honest conversations. And I don't even know how I knew what a blog was Mm -hmm. or why I would do that. But I started, like I bought the domain, theaveragegirlsguide.com and those photos. It's like the ridiculous, what we all used to do back in the day. And I just started sharing content and having real conversations and sharing fun little style finds from Target. And at the same time, both of those businesses kind of inadvertently and accidentally grew into like the most incredible thing that could have ever happened to me. So how did you navigate, um, one, you're, you know, building the blog, your PR agency, and also kind of navigating, incorporating who you are and sharing your story through that? Absolutely. I I always felt like I wanted my space to be sharing really personal, but in a way that was, is this a word, translatable to other people and relevant. As we were getting healthy, we decided we wanted to expand our family. It wasn't safe. The doctors advised against carrying now and having another baby, like for me getting pregnant. Well, that's the reason why for me is really rare, but yet there's millions and millions of women who are navigating really challenging heartbreaking moments like this, as you're seeing friends post on Facebook, their baby photos and their pregnant photos. And you're like, oh my God, like just stab a knife in me, you know, Um, as whether you're married or you have one baby, when are you having another, like all those endless questions. So I wrote a few blog posts, both about like, stop asking questions. I'm really mindful how I communicate with people. And I'm sure I do it wrong plenty, but I'm trying to be a little bit better each day. And when someone's married, I'm like, Oh, you know, even if I'm, if we're talking about kids or if it's like a close friend, you know, are it, like our kids in the cards one day, you know, like, is that something like, what are you guys looking But right. I'm not like, so when are you having a baby? Right. Right. First of all, I don't even know that they want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, some people don't want to have children and awesome. You know, you do you, I think along the way, like the point is like being a storyteller. I think it's really important if you're telling a story to like in my place to be able to like make it relevant to other people. And hopefully like teach a lesson along the way, (laughs) sharing my journey with transverse myelitis. I have connected with women from around the like country and around the world who also have what I have, who have found me because of the hashtag. And when I tell you, when you don't know one other person who has what you have, that's very isolating. You know, you're like, who do I talk to? People don't see what I have. People can't relate to it, but I wound up creating a small private Instagram group of other people with transverse myelitis and there's 15 to 20 women in there. And we talk about everything from peeing on ourselves to sex and intimacy and orgasms and um, our bodies not working and nerve pain and doctors and what should I ask and what medicine you take and natural options, food, everything. And all of that is something like I to bring 15 to 20 women together who felt completely isolated and didn't have 
a place to share or even a doctor. I have doctors who've never had like seen who, what I have. They like brought students into my, like into my, like when I was in the hospital, they're like, we just want to talk, like show them everything. Like I, I feel like I was on an episode of Grey's Anatomy. It's like, what is happening here? Oh my gosh. And, and in some ways you're like, hey, I'm glad that you're excited about it because in at other times they're just like, oh, you know, whatever. But then yes. it's also like, well, I don't want to be the test experiment. Yeah, I don't want to be the first person. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So I think like when you're able to connect people or even find people who have what you have, when you go to your doctors, you go in a more educated way. And you also, we did a, during the pandemic, we actually did a, um, a Zoom, like hangout one night. To me, that is the gift of all of this. Mm. You know, like if you can make someone's heart feel a little happier or lighter or add a little joy or knowledge, I don't know, like that just feels like my sole purpose. And and that only happens when you open up and share your story in the way that you have is the is how you've been able to connect with these women that you mentioned and just others as well who are drawn to you and your story or connect with it, relate to it or learn from you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to what you were saying, like, I think with the blog, like, while I wanted to always share things that I felt like real women would enjoy, like deals and specials and whatever that was, I felt like it was always important to continue to have these real conversations and not put a facade up mm -hmm. about like who you are, because I think that happens so often on social media. It's just being honest about who we are. Like we all, most of our lives are a little crazy and messy and we all have, we have like family members or friends who are going through things. Our brain has a lot of going on. We're working, you know, whatever it is. And just to be like honest about what, like all of it. I wanted to touch on what you mentioned about, hey, educating those in the workplace, whether it's, you know, HR leaders on invisible illness. Um, and I really loved reading about that, especially on your website, because I'm like, oh, this is so important and something that people probably aren't thinking a lot about. Like, hey, if I can't see it. Um, Absolutely. I don't know that somebody is going through something. So one, I wanted to ask you how you are feeling today because you did mention you are in pain I guess very often my nerve pain is mostly centralized like in my feet and then like up my legs a little bit and my back so my back always has like this burning feeling mm -hmm. and then my feet get this tingly cold feeling I actually when I get a pedicure they always whenever they ask me the temperature I can't tell if it's cold or hot really I have to put my hand in um it just feels like burning if it's one extreme or the other mm -hmm. I can't tell um so I'm feeling okay. I get anxious with things like this when they're recorded. And if I have to use the bathroom because I can't wait 10, 15 minutes until we'd be done, I'd have to say, hold on. Um, and that's a anxious situation for me a lot of times, but um, I try to navigate that the best I can, you know? And the beautiful thing about this podcast is that we edit everything. So <laughs> at any time we can always stop and then restart. So tell me about how you got into talking to organizations about invisible illness and why that's important. Absolutely. So I'm an accidental and terrible public speaker. I should tell you that. Um, I was um, asked highly once... doubt that you're a terrible public speaker. <laughs> What's funny is that I really love I was asked once to speak and, you know, this is great. You know, we're speaking one-on-one -on -one, or when you speak into your phone and you're just like talk, basically talking to yourself, even if it's to 20 or 30,000 people. So when you're in front of people, it just adds this whole other element. And I was asked about four or five years ago to speak at an event and I was in shock. Anyway, the event was amazing. It was more just about overcoming obstacles and sharing my journey, which I've done that a few times and tried to 
share different tips and make it more relevant again, like to other people. At the same time, I was asked about two years ago to speak to an organ, a large company to speak virtually. And even though they planned it before the pandemic, it worked out perfectly, but to 250 people around their, around the country who work for this organization for a lunch and learn on invisible illness in the workplace. And I had never spoken in that topic before, but the person actually found me through social media because she follows me and she thought it'd be wonderful to share with her organization. And it was one of the most, as I've loved speaking to groups and I've loved speaking to women. I've spoken to a, at a couple women's conferences and I, the response has been beautiful and amazing and I've loved connecting, but there was something I've always been trying to figure out exactly how I can have a bit better and more meaningful impact and speaking to an organization. And we had a Q and a and people, when you share about what you have and when they see me and I recognize like, I look like I got my, you know, SHIT together mm-hmm. and I look healthy and all of those things. And to be able to say, well, like right now I'm in pain and likely your coworker next to you is dealing with something that you might not be able to see. Or if you're a manager, this could be happening. And I think what happens is that people with invisible illnesses often try to show up bigger because they don't want, I don't want people to know, like I used to have a handicap sign and I let it expire many years ago, but I used it so few times because I'd rather park in the furthest spot. The fact that I could walk again, I don't want to use that handicap Mm. spot. And I remember using it one time and someone yelled at me, like, what are you parking in that spot for? You're not handicapped. Mm. And it was like, sir, like if you only effing knew. Right how much this crushes my soul to even be using it. You know what I mean? So I, I did that and the Q and A was amazing and people spoke up and shared about some of their illnesses and it was awesome. And I was like, this, this is what I want to do. Mm. How can I do more of this? And how can I create a more compassionate workplace? Mm. And which then feeds out to the broader community. So I've been trying to honestly, like I've done, a, I've done two or three of them, but Anyway, if you know any companies or anyone who's listening yeah. would like me to speak to their company during a lunch and learn or anything, I would be honored um, because I really think whether it's peer to peer in a coworker environment, whether it's management or what it is, how can you create sometimes for people, empower them to be honest about, you know, are you creating a, comp- one, are you creating a compassionate workspace and workplace? And two, how can you meet the needs of all employees? We're all real people. And I think the last two and a half years have shown how people can show up, even if they're not in person. And how can you continue to support your employees who are doing great work and whatever that means? Right. And I bet you can even draw on from some of your experience, like you said, when all of, uh, I guess it was like in the months or a couple of years following, when um, this first happened, how you were saying you were working in a, in a job where you're you didn't feel like you could do anything right and it wasn't the greatest working environment so even just having gone through that after everything you went through personally I'm sure is something that you can bring into what you share as well if you have an employee who is someone who needs to take more breaks or needs to do something what is that some people it's even more um they can't wear certain clothes if you're requiring that it's you know a certain look or whatever it is or certain footwear or whatever it might be how can someone be able to feel empowered to speak to a manager and say that doesn't work for me it's a responsibility of both like management and in a company and also the person like if you have to feel 
ideally you're in a safe space where you feel like you can be a self-advocate. And I think many of us have had jobs where we don't feel like that's in the right environment, which how can you make incremental changes to change what that environment is then? Because obviously like, particularly if you have um, visible or invisible illnesses, being in a, spending a majority of your day in a place that is not constructive, that anxiety and stress, I know that, you know, like stress on your body or mentally impacts everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have, like I said, I think it was the greatest gift that I was fired from that job that would have, if I had stayed there, I wonder how quickly I would have made the change, but it clearly wasn't the right fit for my entire body, not just for me. Like Mm -hmm. if you separate that out in a way, you know, and how can I now make sure that I'm creating an environment for me that supports, you know, I talk about, I'll go to a workout class in the morning and I just tell a client, I have a meeting. I'm also waking up early if I need to, to make sure I get the work done and my, I meet all my deadlines and I'm thrilled that my clients are so happy with the work that I do, but how can I structure my day to prioritize myself as well? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that leads me to my next question, which I always love to ask, um, a health tip or something that you do and implement in your day-to-day life that helps you feel good and helps you show up as your best self each day. Um, I think it's two things. One, I think it's movement, whether that means I'm going to work out. I've really enjoyed over the past few years getting into strength training and like lifting weights and seeing how much I can um, handle. (laughs) I think it's amazing and it's empowering because I think the idea of proving yourself wrong, Mm -hmm. like, oh no, I can't lift that. And like being able to then get to that place is like the best feeling. I think that that um, mentality shows up in other parts of your life. Mm -hmm. And then I also, my other biggest tip is to know when you need rest. And I have to even say to my kids, like, if I'm laying down, my legs are not moving right now. Like I don't have it in me. And on days when you need rest, you're not being lazy. Rest is how you get stronger. Rest is how you heal your body and take care of yourself. And so if that means a lazy Netflix day, or that means telling someone that you can't meet them or that you can't do that, you need to make sure you're serving yourself before you're serving everyone else, because you can't serve anyone else effectively if you're not taking care of you. Yeah, I wrote that down. Rest is not lazy. Um, There's one women's group or mainly women um, that I'm in. And we talk a lot about that because I think as women, too, we're just conditioned to always be thinking, hey, I need to do this, do that. And I think it could be kind of regional, like how you mentioned you're from New York. I'm from New Jersey. Like I definitely grew up in that environment where it's just like always go, always on to the next next thing you have to do. And there's no slowdown, um, especially if you had parents in the household who were of that kind of energy as well. We're kind of groomed to think like, hey, if I stop and I don't do anything, there's like this kind of guilt cycle that can start to happen. 100%. And you have to like train your brain in a way, at least I know I do, to be like, okay, wait, no, this is something that I need. I'm not being lazy. I'm taking time. It doesn't mean I'm not being productive. I will actually become more productive because I'm taking the time I need to rest. Absolutely. I think my biggest thing right now that I'm struggling with that I'm trying to be more aware of is that I'm wasting time when I'm not actually resting. Like all of a sudden I'm like, why have I just been standing on my phone, like on TikTok for the last 20 minutes? Like (laughs) Allison, like lay your body down, (laughs) move the phone away because like it takes, then you're taking time that you're not actually, you're not resting, but you're not doing anything like elite, like it should be one or the other. And I think I'm like in this, I've been finding myself and realizing that I'm in, I've been in this murky middle space too much. And I need to actually like 
be horizontal and rest. <laughs> I love that. What, lastly, and, and I'll definitely ask you if there's anything else you want to add, but I want to know what would be the thing that you would most want people to walk away with and take away from this conversation with you? Prove yourself wrong, show up for yourself, prioritize yourself. And like, as I was relearning to walk, I'm a big believer in like taking one step at a time. Like you don't need to focus so much on like all the way out there, like one step. And maybe your step is smaller than someone else's. Maybe, maybe one day it's a leap. Maybe one day you're just standing still mm-hmm. and accepting and being proud for every little like movement forward that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that women so often we like, we feel the negative and I'm a big believer in, you know, like find the gratitude, find what you can do, celebrate your accomplishments. And the more you focus your mindset in that direction, it continues the cycle. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So wonderful. yeah, one thing I'll tell you, this is my biggest, my therapist just told me this and I'm like obsessed with this idea. I think I was talking to her about something and I was like going down this spiral of like, well, if I did this, then this is going to happen. And it was kind of in the negative space. And like, this would disappoint, maybe this would disappoint someone. And she was said, okay, I hear what you're saying. I want to invite you to think what the alternative could be, because if this could happen, this equally could happen. Yep. I love that. And it's like, I think about that often because it's like, we so often can go down. Well, And whether that means like I'm dating now, that can mean in dating, that can mean in work, that's in any environment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, you know, people like I have friends, like they're like, this date's going to be terrible. I'm like, well, I just invite you to think, you know, (laughs) in a a different way, like, you know, just change that mindset. And, you know, do you ever come across people though, that like automatically go to that positive place and think like, hey, how you know, are super optimistic and think like how awesome it's going to turn out. And I realized that like those people have really trained themselves to think that way. And it does take work and effort. And like, once you realize it though, you're like, Hey, I can be that way too. And then it's just like naturally more of the good, amazing things continue to happen because you know, you're essentially manifesting and putting that energy out there and you're choosing, like, you know, you're choosing to believe that those are the, the things that are out there for you. Absolutely. I like never people like I never dwell in the the negative or like if I do like I take a minute to say like, wow, that sucks. Like, I think it's important to say like when something's crappy, I think some people are like, no, no, it's gonna be okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like that really sucks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it really like effing sucks. Yeah. So take that time. I think grieving is really important. When I like Mm -hmm. when my body changed, I had to take the time to grieve my old body. Mm -hmm. And I worked with a therapist on this. She was like, you really she's like, this is a loss. Yeah. You're going to be a different person after this. And I take that to heart when I meet new, when I speak with people or so I connect with someone who's like, I want to like be where you are. And I'm like, well, first of all, you can't compare that you're recently diagnosed to my 12 years out. Like I like that expression. Don't compare your um, beginning to someone else's middle. Mm, Yeah. And I love that, but just focusing on like, the good and like the movement as opposed like taking the time to say this sucks and be like okay now what right and I'm I don't dwell in that I don't think it Mm. serves me ever right I like being solutions oriented too yeah Yeah, all about the all about the solutions let's just like get there I'm like when people are complaining I'm like well we could focus here for the next half an hour even my kids I'm like we could focus on why this didn't happen or whatever or 
like we can use this time. Mm. Yep. Allison, how can people connect with you, find you on social media, learn more about you, work with you, et cetera? All the things. All the um, things. Thank you for asking that. They can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm at The Modern Savvy. And also, if you're interested in hearing me speak or would like to connect with me in that way, um, my website is allisonseligman.com. I have a funky spelling name. So it's A-L-Y-S-O-N-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. And I know that's going to be on like all the things. So thank you, Tamika, for making that happen. And um, email me, DM me. Let's like, I'm, I love connecting with other women and especially like in a conversation like this related to like health and prioritizing ourselves, little women focused and all of that. So I'm sure anyone who's listening, I would like, let's be friends. Yay, for sure. And we'll make sure to link to all of that below so everyone can find you super easily, connect with you. Obviously you're amazing to connect with and awesome conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me to um, be part of this. I'm really honored. You You have such an awesome podcast and I'm, it's been so fun. And thank you for sharing your story. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Allison as much as I did. I can honestly say that it was one of my favorites. Her honesty, her authenticity is just refreshing. And her story is an amazing reminder that you never know what someone else is going through. Just because you can't see it does not mean it's not there. So love her talk that she does from paralysis to powerful that inspired the name of this episode and I feel like she truly embodies that so make sure you go below in the show notes find her information connect with her learn more about what she does say hello and hey also if you're not connected with me I suggest you do that too I'm all the places I'd love to see you on Instagram Facebook Twitter LinkedIn and of course YouTube where you can subscribe to this podcast turn on notifications because you know what we come back every other week with new episodes and I'd hate for you to miss out. So until I see you back in two weeks, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.